Okay, all right, let's bow our heads. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, um, I just want to pray right now before we start this study um, to say or ask you to be with us. Um, please send your Holy Spirit with us. Please give us understanding um, and please attack, help us to attack this with a genuine heart um, um, so that we can really experience you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Okay. So, John um, chapter 16 is where we're heading. So, you can go there in your Bibles, John chapter 16. Um, so, just to give a quick recap, because um, all of these chapters that we've done for the last couple of weeks are connected. So, um, we're in the upper room. Um, you know, they've done the whole foot washing, the communion service, which we know. Um, and this is one of um, one of four of Jesus' discourses that he has throughout the Gospels. Um, and it's his last one. And it's his most intimate one. So we see um, this almost um, discussion Jesus is having, this talk, this discourse that he's having, is throughout chapters 14, 15, 16. Um, and it's kind of how he's talking to the disciples um, as he's preparing to leave them, right? So what we see is, um, is Jesus actually covers similar topics maybe three or four times over the course of the discourse. However, um, he kind of goes a little bit deeper or touches a little bit in a different way each time he touches them. So he may talk about him leaving. He may talk about his soon coming death. He may talk about the Holy Spirit, which is um, largely what we're going to talk about today. He may talk about persecution. Um, and these topics turn up a lot of time during a lot of times during these um, three or four chapters. Right. So at the end of chapter 14, um, verse 31 says, Arise, let us go hence, right, right at the end of the chapter. So likely they left the upper room or wherever they were eating um, and now they're walking towards Gethsemane we're heading towards like the final hours of Jesus' life um, and so heading towards Gethsemane we went through last week um, how he was talking about the vine and the branches and abiding um, and then this week we are going into I mean towards the end of chapter 15 which we didn't really cover last week starts talking about persecution and that's kind of where we're, we're um, starting in verse 16. So, um, yeah, cool. All right, let's get into it. So if someone wants to start reading from verse 1, um, and we can go to verses 3. So far. Um, chapter 16 verses chapter, uh, yeah, chapter 16 verses 1 to 3 yep so I'll start with verse 1 and 2 uh, these things have I spoken of that you should not they should, you have the synagogues yea the time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth good sorry will think that he doeth God's service and these things will they do unto you because they have not known the Father nor me. Okay, cool. All right. So what's what's Jesus talking about there? 
uh, persecution. Persecution, right? And what kind of persecution are we talking about? Physical. <laughs> Physical. Like Jesus says, um, they will not put, they, he said they'll put you out of the synagogues, right? So kick you out of church, right? We get that. It's not so bad. It could be worse. Then he says, and the time will come if that they'll kill you. And they'll think they're doing God's work for it, right? Um, so let's talk about this idea of persecution, right? And let's be let's be clear. Jesus wasn't joking around when he talked about um, them dying. All of the disciples, bar Judas, because obviously Judas died how he died, given what he would just left to do. Um, all of the disciples, bar one, died through being a martyr. And these weren't these weren't clean deaths either. This was like head chopping off, um, crucifixion. Peter got crucified upside down. Um, burnt, stabbed, pierced with a with a um, spear, like they like the disciples got got um, got persecuted hard, right? Um, and the only one, John, the one who um, who's said to be the only one that died of um, natural death, was not because they didn't try. John got thrown in a in a pot of hot oil, and they couldn't kill him, so they sent him off somewhere, and that's when he um, he probably wrote Revelation, right? So all of the disciples um, got persecution. However, right now, we don't really experience a lot of persecution. So how do you guys um, kind of interact with this text? How does this apply to us right now? Well, these days, there's like, there's no persecution yet, because there will be, but these days, there'll be a lot of scorners and mockers. So, you know, like you, you tell people that, you know, the Lord's coming, but reactions you're going to get will be mocking, laughing, all that. So that, that could be a form of, you know, persecution as well, in a sense, in a way. Cool, cool, cool. So you may get um, a little bit of ridicule. Some people may not like you. Uh, we may get jokes said about you. Okay, cool. What else? And we, um, it's coming yeah. in the future, right? Go ahead, Nathan and then Daniel. Sorry, I think your question was like, how do we interact? How do I interact with this um, with this passage? I'm not gonna lie, it's a little bit hard to believe because you know, growing up, growing up in church, persecution is something that we think we we do talk about. And we speak about like oh, a time of trouble and, you know, other stuff. But I think one of the things I used to think hard when I was younger is just we are the good guys. You know what I'm saying? So <laughs> SDAs, or should I say Christians, are the good guys. And so whatever, you know, we live in a, such a woke world right now that the injustice of it all will be obvious. You know what I'm saying? But this, this what we see in verse in verse um two, yeah. At the end of verse two, it says, "The time cometh that whosoever killeth you will think that he doeth God a service." You know what's mad about when we talk about persecution in church, or at least from my my understanding when we were younger, is just this idea that I always, you know, I always thought that people will be able to see that we're the good guys, but it's not the case. You know, imagine imagine being 
that you know i don't even know what group to name that people just think of as scum of the earth you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. and so when people well when when this talks about people turning against us when this talks about people turning against jesus and turning against us because we're representing god it's it's a serious thing and it's not talking about it lightly it's it's a little bit mind-blowing for sure for sure um daniel um, yeah, do you know what? When I read this, book, I think of like, okay, let's say, because obviously none of us know how we're going to die, if we are going to die, like if, if put it this way, if we're not translated directly when Jesus comes back, right? So mm-hmm. I think, okay, so well, if I am one of those martyrs, right, in that time, and I think back to like, um, like basically some of the Christian martyrs that um, we, that we've heard of, like, back in the like the reformation times mm-hmm. um i remember one i remember this one sermon um i can't remember the woman's name um but she was talking about um, an account in the fox's book of martyrs and basically long story yeah. short there were these christians that basically they'll take them to the coliseum and they would purposely starve the lions they purposely starve them so then Obviously, when the lions see, like, when they now see the humans, when they now release the lions, they'll literally just tear them to shreds in it. And I remember her saying that um, in this account, the people, the Christians that were in the Colosseum now, they were just, they were completely standing still. Like, they were at peace. Like, <laughs> they weren't running or, like, nothing. Do you know what I mean? Um, and to me, I think... It kind of it kind of makes me think. Okay, obviously, if I ever am in that situation, there's obviously that there's obviously some kind of peace that God will give me in that moment to be able to, I don't know, to <laughs> firm <laughs> whatever pain I'll be going through. Um, but I, it kind it makes me wonder. Like, it's just it's crazy. Like, how can how is that even how is that possible? How can you read something like this and think, yeah, you know, it's I'm gonna be alright sort of thing. I don't know. Yeah, it's, 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 it's the, the it's the anticipation, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's like yeah, because yeah, like the people that died, the Christians that died back in them days, like uh, there's a scripture somewhere that says that they loved not their lives unto the death. So whatever they were doing, which was they were serving God, they loved God, they done His will, and because of that, that peace. God will give that God gave them so they, they weren't afraid of what was going to happen to them. You get me? So mm-hmm. that's how that's how it'll be mm-hmm. for those who, you know, in the, in the days that are to come. Because obviously when we when we wake up and we we give out the message, you know, God's coming. Um, you know, God will give us that strength and that peace. So that we're not we'll be like the martyrs. We won't be afraid of death because we're looking at what's beyond death, and that's what they were thinking of. Like, what, what, what am I going to achieve beyond death? Why not? Because man can harm the body, but they can't harm the soul. So mm-hmm. that is something we have to keep in mind as well. When you know, when we serve God, that you know, He He is there. He will you know, he will help us and give us the strength to face these things. 
Definitely, definitely. Awesome. Right. So thanks for all the comments. So, um, so yeah, let's go. Let me tell you what I um, what I thought about when I read the text. Right, I immediately started to think about surrender, because for me, um, if I'm giving up my life, that's like the ultimate version of surrender. Yeah. So if um, if someone's like, look, I'm going to kill you and your family, or recant God and say that you're not Christian anymore, like if you're going to stand up strong, then then you have surrendered everything at that point, right? Um, and so for me, um, my mind went to this text. So if we could go to Luke 14 um, and read from 28, um, Luke chapter 14 and verse 28 and on to verses, and on to verses 33. Did you say Luke 28? Sorry, Luke, Luke 14, Luke 14, verses 28. Okay, I'll read the first two verses of that. For which of... Sorry, so from verse 28, yeah? So, for which of you, intending to build a tower, sitteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he have sufficient to finish it? Lest haply, after he have laid the foundation, and is not able to finish it, all that behold it, behold it begin to mock him. First day. Saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or what king going to make war against another king sitteth not down first and consulteth whether he be able with 10,000 to meet him that cometh against him with 20,000? Or else, while the other is yet a great way off, he sendeth an ambassage or delegation and desireth conditions of peace. Is it up to 35? Uh, just 33. Oh. oh, so likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. Awesome. So Jesus is very clear in this text, right? He says, would you start building a house if you didn't have enough money to build the house, you didn't have the materials to build it, would you start building it? Or would you first look at the materials you have and go, actually, I don't have enough to build this house. Let me not build it. <laughs> yeah? Same, same way it says, would you go to war knowing that you didn't have the men? You know what I'm saying? So there's, there's an element of if I'm going to be a Christian, right, persecution or not, if I'm going to be a Christian, do I have enough to surrender everything? Because that's what it's calling for. Understand the things that you want to do now are not going to be the things that you're doing when Christ is done with you. So are you prepared to surrender everything? He says, it said in that last verse, right, he said, um, whosoever be of you cannot forsake all that he has, cannot be my disciple. He's very clear, right? 
So I don't know if persecution is going to come in the next 10 years, the next 20 years, the next 50 years, the next 100 years. I don't know, right? Persecution is coming. We know that for sure. But we don't know timescales, right? But what we do know, what we can be prepared for is how much we're ready to surrender. Yeah? And we can start practicing that right now, how much we're ready to surrender. And really, there is no point us reading the Bible. There's no point us um, going on with this Christian walk if, and knowing that God wants it all. I don't think we fully um, deep exactly how far the surrender goes. Sometimes we feel like, oh, we can give God a little bit and we'll have a little bit for ourselves. We'll give God this bit and then we'll have... I just did a Bible study. God doesn't want everything. So let me, then I can go do X, Y, Z now. Understand, Jesus says, if you cannot give me everything, then you cannot be my disciple. Yeah? Mm-hmm. And then so when we look at this persecution thing, understand, God is happy. God is, ha- God is happy for someone to be martyred. And why that sounds weird, let me tell you what my reasoning for saying that. Firstly, God is ha- it's a victory for God if you die in him. It's a victory. Number one. Right? So if God has to, if God allows you to be martyred and you're in him, that's a victory. Angels celebrating in heaven. Yeah. At the same time, that martyring, especially when we're talking about um, in the early church and what happened throughout the dark ages. It was allowing people to see um, and know, like, for example, right, all of the disciples gave up their lives to the cause. If there was any doubt in their mind, if what they were doing was fake, if all of them like, were on this hoax together and they were all trying to trick everyone, why would all of them die for this? You get what I'm saying? And so that mm-hmm. thought in people's minds, while people are actually dying for this, is a witness. So God is very happy for you to dine him and be a witness for him. That's all he's called us to do, right? So he's happy for it. So understand, are you going to be willing? Are you happy to surrender everything? Regardless of now, if you need to or not, that is counting the cost of what is coming, yeah? And that's, that's, that's the thing, that as Christians, like, what is a Christian? What, what does Christian mean? Christian, yeah, it's, it means follower of christ and that's what the, the that's what the disciples were in it mm. so as a follower of christ and as a christian it shouldn't just be a religion many people today we like to look at this christianity as a religion it's supposed to be lifestyle and that's what that's that's what it is so when we follow when when it when we surrender everything to god to christ we're surrendering everything that's our life. If we surrender our life, then that's good, then, isn't it? For sure, for sure. Daniel? Nah, yeah, it's, you know, it's true what you're saying. It's so true. Um, and I think this is kind of where our Christian experience kind of, uh, we kind of get into a little bit of a gray area because, like you said, we're trying to have our cake and we're trying to eat it too. Um, and it just doesn't, it, it can't work like that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely can't work like that, especially if we're trying to follow God. Like, it's literally about, as he says, taking up our cross, but at the same time, laying the things down, which is asking us to lay down and leave leave behind. Um, and, yeah, <laughs> I'd say definitely 
for me as well, um, I'd say for many of us, like we're trying to kind of compromise to see how much of the world we can keep in our life and how much mm. of God of God we can keep in our life. And obviously, can you know, can a man serve two masters? Now, um, obviously, it's not easy, but I think us as us telling God, like, and being honest with Him, how we feel about the things that we want to keep as opposed to the things He's trying to give us. That's a good place to start. Mm. That's why that's why in Revelation talks about he talks about us, you know, his people being lukewarm. That means being that God God prefers us if we were either cold or mm-hmm. hot. So if we're gonna be hot for him, or if we're gonna be cold and serve, you know, be be on the wild side basically. And we can't like you said, we can't serve two masters, in it. So we have to either make that decision. We have to make that choice. God, be 100% on God's side or the, or the devil, which is, you know, and that's just, we have to make that choice. 100. There's actually no point in, Nathan, I'm coming to you, don't worry. There's no point in, um, in starting this journey, trying to read the Bible every day, trying to pray, trying to do it, if really your heart's not in it. And obviously some of those things can get your heart in it. So don't get me wrong. Like if you're coming to God saying, you know what, my heart's not really in this. I need you to help me. That's different from you trying to be or or pretending to be a Christian for the outward show, but really not taking it seriously. Because ultimately when the persecution comes and when the fire hits your skin, you're not going to be, you're not going to die for it. Yeah, Nathan, go ahead. Those last couple of statements have been have been loud. I was trying to figure out what happens like you guys come in here when you're saying it's like you were saying, beware about this Christian journey because you know, because God wants that much sacrifice from us, God wants that much surrender and all of that. But you're you're definitely being truthful with this this scenario of the fact that especially what you just said, Reese, and what Manji said a couple of minutes ago about the fact that God is trying to get us to give up everything for him. And it's something that we we definitely have to practice in our world, in our walks with him. It's not something, you know, some of us, there's been so many times when I've been doing this, I can't even say I'm not doing it now, but there's, been, there's you know, this idea of not giving up things with this idea that when it comes down to it, we'll be able to do it. It doesn't work that way. Mm. If we if we, if we try to if we try we can't we can't all of a sudden live for God in a way that we haven't practiced. You know what I'm saying? This life exactly. is a life of, of practice and continuous improvement. And this is why I remember we we had a study months ago and it came up this idea that we can't put a time to God working on people. It can happen fast, it can happen slow, but you have to understand it's a journey, so expect it to take time. Mm. And sure. We're actually going to come to that a bit later as well. Um, but yeah, great point. Um, this fact that if you cannot surrender, you know, 30 minutes in the morning to, to, to study, if you can't um, tell your friend about, you know, God or about Jesus, what makes you think that at the point where it gets really serious and your life is on the line, you're going to somehow stand. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's a fallacy to think that. So, yeah, 100%. All right. So, um, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. Um, you know, when people talk about, we talk about give, giving up for Christ, giving up 
um, giving up things for God. And a lot of people like to look at it as a burden, if that makes sense. But got to remember that there is blessings too. Like, even though we're giving up X, Y, and Z for God, there is going to be blessings in return. And when we think of when we think of what God and Christ gave up for us, we it will help. It will motivate. It should make. It should motivate us more to give up what we gotta give up for Him. Because in comparison, it's way like it's worthless compared to His sacrifice for us. And if we have, if we think of it like that, it will motivate us. Yeah, hundred percent, man, hundred percent. And we're gonna come to the uh, the blessings of dip for sure. You know, Christian walkers not all all carrying crosses, and, and um, woe is me. Um, there is a lot of blessing in there as well, and we're gonna we're gonna come to that for sure. So yeah, great point. Um, but yeah, let's continue reading. So if we go to uh, verse four, um, up to verse six. That's of John um, 16. That's a John. Yeah, all right. But these things have I told you, that when the time shall come, you may remember that I told you of them. And these things I said not unto you at the beginning, because I was with you. But now I go my way to him that sent me, and none of you ask of me, whither goest thou? But because I have said these things unto you, sorrow have filled your heart. Cool. So what is Jesus explaining is happening? He's basically he's basically telling us like he's telling us why he's um telling us of what will what will come to pass. Um Okay, what is the reason that Jesus is saying why? Oh, so that we, so yeah, so that we remember um, what he said. Cool, right? So Jesus mm. is saying this. Look, understand. I um, I know where where this is heading. So I'm just letting you know now. It's not only that you can prepare yourself, but when it actually happens, you know that I knew about it. Yeah. So um, so something to increase your faith in me and understand that I've, I've got you. Right. What else is he saying? Are we saying in verse um verse verse 5 is he saying you guys are focusing on the wrong thing you know I've told you you're going I'm, I've told you that I'm going and none of you are asking me where I'm going but you're all caught up in this idea of Jesus don't go that you know you're missing an opportunity to, to learn or you're missing the point should I say but I'm looking at verse 5 so yeah yeah, spawn, spawn, right? So Jesus is saying, I'm going, and no one's asking me where I'm going. you just focusing on the fact that I'm not there. Right? Um, and so if you knew where I was going, if you asked where I was going, you know, we, um, we're going to come to that in verse 7, right? But if, if you asked where I was going, then, you know, it, you, you, would, you would understand. But all you're doing is worrying. You know, sorrow has filled your heart. All you, all you are is now 
you have so much anxiety because now it's going to be like life without Jesus, right? And so um, the disciples, you know, they've been with Jesus for three and a half years. Literally, their whole life has, has been turned upside down. They've seen miracle after miracle. They've seen all sorts of stuff happen. And now we're at the point where Jesus is saying, well, you know, this is it. I'm gone. And panic, straight panic. They're not even thinking what he means by he's gone. Um, it doesn't, they're not talking about where he's going or what he's going to be doing. It's literally just straight panic. Right. And so Jesus is like, look, if you if you just understood what is about to happen, trust me, it'll be a good thing. Right. So um let's go into um verse seven and then we'll we'll take a minute. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. Awesome. Okay. So there's two things I want to talk about here. But one is, um, what is the obvious question that comes from this verse? And I say obvious because it slapped me in the face when I read it. I was like, okay. But like, I want to see if you guys had the same question. Jesus needs to go away for the comforter to come. Right? Why is it that Jesus has to go mm. for the Holy Spirit to come? That is a serious question. Why can't God be in, this, in two forms in the same place? You know? Real talk, right? Daniel. Mm. Mm. And do you know what? I mean, I think we're going to go into this anyway, but um, the, Nathan, the question Nathan just asked, why can't God be basically in two places at the same? Like, why can't um, God the Spirit and God, God the God the Son be in the same place at the same time, and obviously they can because God can do anything. But this question still kind of remains: like, okay, so why not? Hundred percent, right? So we're left with this question, right? It says it is it is expedient. Basically, it's saying it would be great that I go away. In fact, I better hurry up and go away, right? Um, because if I don't go, then the the Holy Spirit isn't going to come. And when the Holy Spirit comes, it's going to be a mad one, right? So trust me, if you understood what was about to happen, you'd be hurrying me along this journey. Yeah? Um, I think Tyler said in the comments um, that the Holy, um, Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father were all together at his baptism. Um, so they can all be in the same space at the same time. But obviously, in this moment, Jesus is saying that he cannot come if he is still here. Right. So it's understanding why is that? Why can't Jesus be there and the Holy Spirit be doing what he's doing? Um, and we're I'm not going to fully answer that now. In fact, I'm not going to answer it now. We're going to um, get that answer in a minute when we start to understand what the Holy Spirit is doing or what his purpose is. But the other question is, or the more the, the line of thought I want to go down is, um, and we've done this before, right? But if I ask you guys, um, to explain or to visualize God the Father for me, right? So in your head, visualize what God the Father would look like, as difficult as that is. Um, what are the kind of things that you're, um, that you're seeing in your mind's eye? A throne. A throne, yeah. Long hair. Long hair, okay. Not gonna lie, but you, you say, did you say um, God the Father? Yeah, God the Father, yeah. Yeah, now with me, I don't know, like all I, all I can picture is just some some big, some next big light in it. It's like, mm -hmm. just just light, basically. 
for sure, right? That's similar for me as well. Massive bright light. What else? I'm with you guys on like just envisioning like that and that is especially the thing I want to do. There is a little part of me though that has been conditioned to see an old man. Okay, someone is old because we feel like God has been alive forever, right? So he must be he must look old, right? Um, <laughs> probably conditioned by what we see from, from media or from cartoons, etc. Um, what else? I'd say um like kind of like a smoky mist around him do you know what i mean okay yeah, yeah cool yeah all right and then so so our ideas of the father are quite generic right so i could look in your mind's eye you could look in mine and you probably see the image and go yeah he's probably thinking about god the father right it's quite generic um we understand what a father is we understand what a protector is a provider is um he, we get that he loves us um we we kind of understand what he's about god the father right so if I do the same thing with God the Son, right? What what do we picture when we think about Jesus? A younger man. A younger man, yeah. The cross and uh, the crown of thorns. So crown of thorns, yep, yeah, on the cross, yep. Yeah. Maybe even the holes in his hands, possibly, or his feet. A or white else? robe. A white robe. Long hair, Long Long hair, hair. definitely. Mm. Right. So, I mean, in my mind's eye, you guys can tell me if I'm wrong here, but generally it's a man with brown hair, um, olive, um, kind of Israeli kind of skin because he is from Israel. So that's the kind of image I have. Um, long hair. You kind of look in his face. It just feels like there's just a genuine smile or genuine like gentleness about him. Um, seems quite tall, has this kind of sand cream kind of um, kind of cloth kind of thing over him um you know just just um make sandals, sandals. On his feet. you know sandals is exactly we we get that we all have again a quite a generic view of what jesus is like right jesus was actually here on the earth so we get that we get that he died for us we get that he rose again we get that he did loads of miracles he actually spoke to people who was with us he's a man right we get that so we have quite a generic view of god the father we have quite a generic view of god the son but when i say um, the Holy Spirit, right? What do you think of? You know, in that movie, um, King of Egypt, Prince of Egypt, mm. you know when um, the, the the last plague comes to take away the... Oh, the yeah, life, yeah, yeah. That, that is what I think of. <laughs> I like, okay, so, do you know what? I think of like, I think of literal, literal air. Um, like, you see, you see it, like, you know when it's cold, and you breathe into the you breathe into the atmosphere. Like I think right. of that. <laughs> okay. All right. Anyone else? Like a silver, like a silver wisp. Can't hear you very well. Oh, that's a silver wisp. A silver wisp. Yeah, like a, a little, like, you know, like some small little thing in the air. Listen, you okay. you might you might not coming up with some mad visuals, but someone used to do some art with this. Um, I'm, I'm literally thinking of the same light that we were saying earlier, but this light is floating around in there. Okay, so similar light as before, but it's floating around. Okay, so I think we'd I think we'd all agree, right, that our ideas of the Holy Spirit probably aren't as generic as the other two, right? It's a little bit more it, mysterious. I think it, yeah, because like in different parts of the Bible, it like the Holy Spirit appears in different forms. Like for example, you know when 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 Jesus was baptized. 
Mm. Um, he appeared as a dove. And then when um, the, the apostles were in the upper room, you know, after when Christ, after Jesus' ascension, um, you know, they it appeared as tongues of fire. So tongues of fire. Different yep. ones, different. For sure, right? 100%. Great point, right? We, he's described as a wind. Um, so there's there's all of this different imagery that we get about the Holy Spirit. So it is um, by nature of how he is described in the Bible, um, quite, um, it's difficult to grab hold of what the Holy Spirit looks like is, etc. Right? Um, and I'll put to you that it's actually on purpose that it's that way. It's actually on purpose. Um, and as we go on through... Um, the study and as we go into the next few verses we'll start to understand a bit more why I say that um obviously today's study is called the unknown god right the unknown god and that is for that very reason we're talking about the holy spirit right because he is the least known entity of the trinity of the godhead that we um know we we get the father although obviously none of us have ever seen the father the son or the holy spirit we have very clear images of the first two Right, but our, our, our ideas, our um, thoughts of the Holy Spirit are very are, are not generic at all. Right, it's very much more elusive. Right, so okay, so let's get into it. Let's go. Let's get into what the Holy Spirit is, does, um, etc. Okay, so starting in um, verse eight. And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Okay. Of, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, fact, because actually, I'm... let's not go into that bit just yet. Um, mm-hmm. In fact, let's go. Let's rewind a bit because I kind of missed this in verse seven. Um, the Holy Spirit, he says, um, is is. Um, for if I not go, um, if I not d- depart, um, the comforter will not come unto you, right? So it calls the Holy Spirit a comforter. Why does um, the Holy Spirit call the comforter? What does comforter mean? You know what? I was thinking of this earlier because it's funny how he talks about you're going to be persecuted, you're going to get dragged out of the churches and everything. And then he calls the Holy Spirit a comforter. I think it's... <laughs> I think it's a very fitting word considering what Jesus just talked about. You know what I mean? True, true. Like during a time like that, like what else do you need but comfort? You know? Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly where I was going, right? So Jesus is obviously telling them, look, this persecution is coming. People are going to hate you. You're going to die. Um, you're going to get dragged out of the church, all the rest of it. But, and this is towards what Tyrone was saying earlier. Um, although God um, is happy for you to do that, given that it fulfills his purposes and his will, and he knows your, you know, it secures your, your place in heaven, um, he also understands that it's difficult. He also understands that it could be quite lonely. He also understands that it's, it could be quite painful. And so the Holy Spirit is there to comfort you against that, right? He's not just going to leave you alone against the the. The, the evil forces of the world you know that the, that is why the holy spirit is there yeah to comfort and that is both because he is leaving and because um the persecution is coming right so it it hits those two right but yeah anyway let's um because i missed that we can continue so um 
what are the three things that um, we talk we we see here from the Holy Spirit in verse eight? Do we need to read verse eight again? Yes, please. Okay. It says, "And when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin." of righteousness and of judgment, right? From the very first statement, what do we learn? Before we even get into the sin, righteousness and judgment part, what do we know from the right off the bat of that verse? He's coming. Okay, it says he, he, it says, and when he has come, what does that mean? If someone said when he has come, what, what does that automatically suggest? He's on his way. Or... Yes, you're, you're right. But more so, not in terms of the purpose of, I'm not talking about the, um, the, the purpose of the statement. I'm more talking about the, um, the words that are used. If, when, when Jesus says, and he will come, what is he talking about? He's a person. He's a person, right? The Holy Spirit is a person. He didn't say, and it will come. He said, and he will come. And this, is, mm, and this is one of the biggest, um, biggest evidences that of, of um, a triune God, right? So if Jesus said, if we thought that it was God the Father's spirit, for example, if it was God the Father, it was part of God the Father's spirit that came or was coming, it would still be an it. Understand? For example, if you saw my soul out of my body, for example, if that were possible, you'd go look at it. You wouldn't say look at him. Yeah? You say, wow, I saw it. You wouldn't say I saw him. And so um, the fact that he's used a pronoun here, a he, and he continues to say he um, throughout the verses to come, it suggests that he is a separate individual, a separate person of the triune God. Yeah? So obviously he's not talking about God the Father. Obviously he's, Jesus is not talking about himself. He's talking about a separate um, comforter. Yeah? Okay, no worries, Daniel. Um, he's talking about a separate comforter, right? So um, that's the first thing. But yeah, okay, let's get into this um, idea because help, uh, helping us understand that he, he is actually a person um, will continue to um, help us understand his, his role. Okay, so um, so we get these three things, right? He reproves or convicts the sin, um, the world of sin, righteousness, and judgment. What does it mean to reprove or to convict, depending on what um, version you're using? Is it like to show in it, like to show us what we need to work on, or as people um, to point out, basically? Cool to show, right? To show, to um, point out, yeah. What does it mean if someone has a conviction? If someone in in a court of law, um, they are convicted. What does it mean? It means that they are judged. They've been judged. Okay. We're getting there. 
if someone has a okay, let's let's deal with two, two of them separately because I asked two right. different questions. If someone has a conviction about something, what does that mean? Like, if I'm convicted to do something, what does that mean? Okay, it means that you're um, you've realized it's kind of like you've realized the error of your ways and your um squad. You want to change that about yourself. Cool, there are other words that could be used, but I can't find them right now. <laughs> Great, right? So let's mix you and Tyrone's together. You're shown something about yourself. You're shown something. Something has opened your eyes, and now you want to change something. You're you're um convicted to do something. Something mm. is now your your opinion of something has now changed. There's been a change of mind, and um now there is something new come about. Right? What does it mean if someone is um is convicted in a in a in a court? To be found guilty of something, or cool. to be perfect. To be found guilty generally um, of something, right? If you're convicted of something, you're found guilty of something. What does um, what do you need for to find someone guilty? Evidence. 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 Perfect. Right. So the Holy Spirit is showing us almost evidence that leads us to feel guilty, essentially, um, convicted for for our mindset, for some things that we've done for these things, sin, righteousness, and judgment. And we're gonna get into what each of those mean. Yeah? So, well, we understand. Yeah, go ahead, Nathan. Can I just point out? So we see this, um, we see this in verse eight, and my husband uses the word reprove. And it says, mm. when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. And this word reprove, and when we're looking at it, uh, a simple Google definition will say reprimand. And reprimand being um, to express disapproval. So it's almost like the Holy Spirit is actually there to, to show us the fact that, to show us kind of like what, what God feels about what we're doing. You know what I'm saying? And this is where that conviction then comes from. We cool. see that what we're doing is out whack what God is doing is for us. Sorry about the way hundred percent. Great. Thanks. Thanks for clarifying again. Cool. Right. So we all get that, right? He's come to convict, he's come to um reprove um us of sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now, what does it mean to um be convicted or reproved of sin, righteousness, and judgment? So let's get into it. So someone can read verse nine. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Great. What is he talking about? This is the easiest one of the three, so you guys should be should be right on this one. Sin, because they believe not on me. So it's saying like they're moving like um like there is no God, and they're just doing whatever they want to do. Hundred percent, right? Yeah, and obviously, there's also the fact that they don't—they're actually trying to almost like disprove him For sure, right? So basically, the Holy Spirit has come to convict of sin because people are sinful. Essentially, there is a, <laughs> there is a need for us to understand our sin. If we are going to be converted, right, we need to understand our sin. 
that is almost the first step. The sinner's need of, of a saviour, right? First step. So for us to understand our sin, the Holy Spirit needs to do that in us. So this has two um, applications, right? For, for what it means for us and what it means for other people, right? So what it means for us um, in terms of the conviction of sin, right? It means that you would have no idea that you were sinning unless the Holy Spirit brought it to your attention. You would have no idea. Because the Holy Spirit does that. You would have no, you, and, and not only would you have no idea about it, but you would, know, you would feel no remorse for it at all. So when we see, um, so for example, you know, we could talk about very small, what we call small sins, quote unquote, or large sins, no remorse. You could be saying little white lies. You could be saying, um, you could be stealing little things. You could be doing whatever, feel no remorse. Same way you'd feel no remorse for murder, rape, um, terrorism, whatever we want to call it, right? There'll be no remorse. And this is why um, when the Bible talks about the unpardonable sin and, and grieving the Holy Spirit or blaspheming the Holy Spirit is so dangerous. Because if you don't see your sin, then how would you ever repent? The second part of it is for other people. And this is probably... Um, this is where it affects our witness. So, you could walk up to someone and have the greatest information. You could come with the gospel and everything that the Bible says to the T correct. You could um, dispel all of their arguments. You can answer each of them eloquently and correctly. You could um, give them multiple Bible studies. You could give them multiple books of literature. You could give them everything. And if the Holy Spirit is not involved, nothing's going to happen. Why? Because the Holy Spirit convicts of sin. And so often we feel like, oh, you know, when we do a Bible study, if we want to talk to someone about God, etc., we want to make sure we have the right words to say, trust me, witnessing is much less about the words that you say and much more about God doing the work. And so when we're doing things for God, is our mindset, God help kind of come into this with me. I've got this thing to do. You're going to do it with me. Or are we following his lead? Because he's been working on this far longer than we have. And success in terms of witnessing is not based on whether we um, are able to save someone. In fact, we, we don't ever save anyone. Is, is the Holy Spirit, who say, well, it's the Holy Spirit who convicts Jesus who saves. You get what I'm saying? So really, we have a very small part of this process, a very, very small part. Nathan, you were going to say something. Yeah, I was just going to, um, actually, to be honest, I'm just backing up what you were saying. The fact that so many times, we have these little uh, righteous moments where we feel like we can speak to people 
you know, we were ready to win. We've got a this chair. And it was like, Lord, help me because you've given me this thing to share and these words that speak, man. You know what I'm saying? And, and we, we decided so much about ourselves, man. We decided it's coming from ourselves when we reminded that every good and perfect gift, every good and perfect thing comes from God. But also seeing, like, witnessing in this light definitely changes. Not to say that now we don't witness because we don't need to because it's the Holy Spirit that convicts, but just like this idea that we're not looking for, you know, sometimes in judge uh, and we look for amens, right? <laughs> just to just to just to understand that we're getting through to people. It's this really not about all of that. It's about what's happening internally and the fact that someone can be being saved and you would have no. Hundred percent, right? Hundred percent, and that re- it will start when when you deep that and start to fully get to grips with this idea that actually it's nothing to do with you, it's nothing to do with me. Um, it starts to change your um, perception of what witnessing is, um, and what sharing your faith is, and having um, a bit more compassion on people, um, and how you share your, how you share what you're sharing. Because ultimately, if they're not ready to accept what you're telling them, because the Holy Spirit um, hasn't done the groundwork or is in the middle of doing the groundwork and he's not ready, not ripe, not the, you know, the, the soil is not ready to be, to be planted, the seed is not ready for it, then nothing is going to happen. And to understand that in, for the same way you, if the Holy Spirit wasn't talking to you about your sin, nothing would happen the same way as for them. And so it's going to be very difficult for you to feel like you're badgering, you're, um, you know, you continually like oh, Bible bashing, etc. It's ever going to do anything. It's not. Really, what it tells us is more so we need to be listening and being in tune with God so much more than we are, so that when He tells us to go do something, we can do it then. Because then it's going to be like, look, I've prepared this heart for harvesting so go ahead now i want you to do what i'm going to say and i want you to say the words i'm going to give you at the same time he may tell you to go do something you may see no results because in god's plan in the holy spirit's plan um really all you would needed to do was that little seed there and then three months down the line there's going to be something else and understand that we as as um his workmen we have no idea of the concept of the whole scheme of what he's doing the whole web of events that are going on right so it starts us to really do witnessing not for saving souls purposes per se but doing it because that's what god has asked us to do at a particular time and the, the saving souls the outcome is really his business nothing to do with us Cool. Everyone got that? Conviction of sin. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah? Cool. All right. Let's go on to the next one. Verse 10. Of righteousness, because I go to my father and you see me no more. Awesome. So what is um what is Jesus saying here? you guys know what 
Så hvad kan den ikke finde? Altså, det, det er nogen her, og den her, hvor I sat. Okay. And so that's exactly right. So Jesus, what, why it says, um, it says, because I go to my father and you see me no more. He's going to convict you of righteousness because I'm, because I'm leaving. And so what Jesus is saying is, I have been here giving you the example of what you should be living like. Jesus's life was, a, was, was um, the best example of what God expects from us. If we call ourselves Christian, as Tyron said, we're expected to live like Christ right and so that is the that is the golden standard from which we are supposed to live but when christ goes where are we supposed to get that example from and so the holy spirit he, jesus is saying um i'm leaving and therefore you're not going to be able to um see me do my works anymore so that's why the holy spirit is coming so that he can show you what to do so again so so important that we don't grieve the holy spirit because not only will you not Uh, understand that you're sinning, but you also won't know what right is. And so every single thing that we do that is um, good, right? Every single thing that we do that is um, acceptable to God, that is done with the right motives in the right way, um, and it's what it says in the Bible, and it could be small or it could be big, is Holy Spirit inspired. Yeah. And what he's trying to do is mold you into what Christ represented here. And we're going to deep that more and more as we go through this and understanding what the um, what the Holy Spirit's purpose is. Right. His goal in terms of um, convicting us of righteousness is to turn us all into Christ. Right. To make us actual Christians. That's what that's what the Holy Spirit's goal is. So the fact that Jesus is gone means that we don't have, or the disciples at the time didn't have that um, example. We don't have that example now of Jesus in the flesh. So the Holy Spirit comes and does it in the spirit. Yeah, we all understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool, cool. Yeah. All right. Um, okay. Last one. Verse eleven. of judgment because the prince of this world is judged. Okay, what is Jesus saying there? I want to say that it's understanding the wages of sin uh, and understanding where all of this is going if God is not involved in it. Yeah, yeah, cool. Right. So why why it says um 
Wyatt says, because the prince of darkness, um, because the prince of this world is judged, is basically saying, um, understand that there is a purpose to all of this. Understand that this is not just right or wrong. Um, but there is an, there's an end goal to this. Either I'm going to be collecting you into myself or I'm not. And the fact that the prince of this world is going to be judged, if you're aligned with him, you are also going to be judged. Right? And so, um, and so there's this idea of actually your choices, this convictions that's happening, be either for, for sin's sake or for righteousness sake, is leading somewhere. Yeah, is it actually leading you to be either to be one with God and to be going to heaven or to not be? Yeah, Nathan, go ahead. You see it in this verse, because the prince of this world is judged. It's not talking in like, no, you know, this isn't a, a prophecy verse. This is a thing of saying it's already happened. And so these sides, they already exist. And so exactly what you just said, Reese, about you're either on my side or you're not. I can either collect you back to myself or I can't. But just, I was just pointing out this, the language, it's already done. The sides are already set. Yeah. And it's now for the Holy Spirit to inform you about what's going on and what that means for your future. Exactly, 100%, right? And I always say you're either on God's side or not is because sometimes when we say um, even God's side or the devil's side is we feel like there's some middle ground in there. Well, I'm not quite on God's side fully. Like I do to be about. I mean, uh, yeah, I'm not fully there, but I'm not. I, I can't. I can't, just, I can't say I'm on the devil's side. No, there's. It's either you're on God's side or you're not on God's side. That is it. Those are the two options. There's no middle ground. There's no um, on the fence. There's no anything. It's either you are there or you're not there. And whatever degree of separation there is, separation is separation. Whether you feel like you're a step closer to God or a step further away from God, if you're not next to God, there's a problem. Yeah, and so you know that this this idea of judgment is real. It's happening, and to some extent, as Nathan said, it's happened. And so we we have this very clear decision to make. Well, the Holy Spirit provides us to make that decision. Which side are you going to stand on? Yeah. Okay. So those are the three things that the, the Holy Spirit comes to convict us on. Is there any other, is there any questions based on those three things before we continue? I was going to bring up, I was going to bring up, you know, this idea of why can't it be God? Why can't it be Jesus? I'm God the Father, Lord Jesus. But it's a little bit of a new point because we've already, you know, in previous studies and even in this study now, we're seeing the person of the Holy Spirit. So we're seeing that there's three. We're seeing that God exists in three and it's not a different God. It's the same person, but in three forms. And so I was going to bring up, oh, you know, why can't it be Jesus that's working? why can't it be God the Father that's working in us but I guess that's just the idea that I'm still working this understanding of God in three in three forms because it's not a different God it's not a different person to say with a different character and everything it's the same God working in three different ways doing three different things and we're going to get to um, that question on 
why did Jesus have to leave for the Holy Spirit to come right now? Right. So um, so yes, we're we're going down that that vein. But yes, um, essentially you're right. We and and we mentioned this um last time we spoke about the Holy Spirit a couple of weeks ago. Um we have this idea that maybe people in the Old Testament when they had um quote unquote God the Father with them doing all these miracles, they split in the Red Sea, fire by day, cloud I'm uh, sorry, cloud by day, fire by night, you know, um plagues came. This happened like all from like um, fire from heaven, Elijah going up in a cloud of fire uh, on a chariots of fire, you know, um, whole armies being blind, um, all, just 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 crazy miracles were happening in the Old Testament, right? And then we come to um, Jesus and we see Jesus healing the blind, healing the sick, casting out demons, raising people from the dead, himself raising from the dead, and all of the amazing things that Jesus did. And we um, sometimes we sit here and go, ah, oh, I wish we could experience God from the Old Testament, or I feel like we could experience Jesus from the Gospels, but we don't understand that actually our time in Earth's history, our time with the Holy Spirit is is the most intimate we could be with God than any time in Earth's history. And so, really, if anyone's going to be jealous, it should be them, but us, right? The fact that we can connect with the Holy Spirit as we can do means that um is is far greater than than jesus or or god's ministry in the old testament could have been um as well so just like to frame that in terms of the importance of the holy spirit for us now but we're going to get into the point why um why jesus had to go for the holy spirit to to come so verses um where are we verses 13 verses 12 12, 13. In fact, let's just read 12 because there's a point to say on 12. Someone can read. How be it when he... Go ahead, please. Sorry, was it 13 or... Uh, 12. It was 12. Okay. I have yet many things to say unto you but ye cannot bear them now. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, for whatever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Awesome. All right, cool. So there's two points here, right? Um, number one, what does, um, what does verse 12 um, suggest? With all that he had already mentioned on the time he was living with them, there was still so much they didn't understand. Cool, right? So there was so much that he, even like that, not even that they couldn't understand, but that he couldn't even tell them, because like it would it would boggle their mind. They wouldn't even know what to do with it if he told them. That is how much Jesus is like. I don't think you understand how much I could tell you right now, but you you just you just can handle it, right, Nathan? Sorry, don't we see this same sentiment? Guys, I don't know if any of you can remember what the verse said exactly, but, you know, a, a couple of chapters ago, a couple of weeks ago, looking uh, somewhere in John, and Jesus was saying that you guys will do greater than me. You know what I'm saying? This fact that when, we, when we're connected to God, we, will, we, we can do greater miracles than Jesus did like, when he was here. And so I think this is in that same vein as well to say that Sometimes we, 
sometimes we put God in this box to say that everything that God has to offer, we've already seen it in the Bible and everything. <laughs> you know, and it's not the case. Is it this idea that God is like trying to uh, this idea that God has infinite stuff to use us, God has infinite stuff to show us is, is just mind blowing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure, sure, Tyler. Yeah, um, I don't know how many people were at the NEC message this morning. It sort of reminds me of what was the pastor was preaching. I think it was Ian Sweeney was talking today. It's because like that wasn't God's um, Jesus's ministry on earth. His ministry wasn't to necessarily preach um, about everything and everything, telling everybody, convicts everybody. It wasn't even to do the miracles where. Because there's even times where he refused to heal people because his job wasn't to kill people on earth. Like his job wasn't to, you know, lead an army and overtake like the Romans and stuff like that. He had a very specific ministry, obviously to walk a sinless life, you know, and to die on the cross. So there's times Mm -hmm. where, so that's why he said, you know, there's things I could tell you, but it's not my job. That's what the Holy Spirit is there for. Yeah, 100%, right? Um, Yeah, 100%. And we kind of touched on that a couple of weeks ago as well. So big point, right? Um, And what also I see here, right, is, is um, an element of growth. And um, what I mean by that is, um, I was speaking to Nathan the other day, and I, I, I don't think he'll mind me saying, we were discussing about this um, idea of, of trying to um, get to the point where, it's like, where we can study the Bible, where we can pray, and it's just real. Us and God are just tight. And it's just amazing, just just us and God now. There's no Bible study, there's no uh, sermon, there's no anything. It's just me, God, the Word, um, and just just and it's just it's an amazing experience after an amazing experience with Him. And wondering like, when does that come? Like, how do we get that more often? Um, how do we do that? And there's this idea, there's growth, there's growth. Some like at the start, you probably you can't deal with the things that I would reveal to you when we're closer and really you haven't done some of the things that I've already revealed to you now so do some of the things that I've revealed to you now and watch us get closer so I can reveal even more things to you and so we can't expect suddenly to to jump into this thing and suddenly have a relationship with God that Moses had when he had 40 years with Moses um, before 40 years with Moses before he came back to Egypt let alone the 40 years after you know what I'm saying? So the our relationship with God grows. You know, not everything we need to know, understand right now. The Holy Spirit is working on us to grow our relationship with God and let us like do and act and be hearers and doers of the word of the things that we do understand and we do know, so that will draw us even closer to God so that we can He can reveal more of Himself to us. Because if He did reveal all of Himself, we wouldn't be able to handle it, essentially. Yeah. And but yeah, hundred percent. What Tyler, what Nathan was saying, very true as well. Um, you know, it's the Holy Spirit's job to do that. Um, and yes, we're going to get into the exactly that point now. So second point, right? Verse thirteen. It says, just so we can recap. Howbeit, when He, the Spirit of Truth, has come, He will guide you into all truth. For He shall not speak of Himself, but whatsoever He shall hear, He shall. Um, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. Cool. So it says um, the Holy Spirit is described as the spirit of truth. What is the truth? 
or should I say, who is the truth? Jesus. Jesus, right? Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? No one cometh the Father but by me. And so this is the, the when we see the Godhead, the Trinity, um, they, they, they move or they, um, or they all have very distinct applications to our, to our salvation. Yeah. So God, the father is, is the pinnacle of, of um, justice and mercy, right? So he is the head of the whole thing. We get to God, the father through what Jesus done. That's why we pray in Jesus name. That's why Jesus came to die because he came to reconcile us between um, the father and us, right? He became to be that, that in between. Yeah. So Jesus is put, we hear all through John. We've read it countless times throughout John. I don't do anything, but my father tell me. Like um, I think Philip asked, could show us the father, and Jesus was like, uh, "Hello, I'm I'm right here. Like if you see me, you see the father." And so Jesus's purpose, um, as well as the dying um, and the resurrection, all that, is to show us who the father is, connect us with the father in some way, shape, or form, right? Reconcile us with the father. That's what Jesus's purpose was. And then in um, going further down the line, the Holy Spirit's purpose is to bring us to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit brings us to Jesus, Jesus brings us to the Father. That's how it works, right? And so everything the Holy Spirit does should reflect Jesus. Everything. Every single thing that the Holy Spirit does is to glorify Jesus, glorify his ministry, glorify the fact that he died and rose again and now is in his heavenly ministry. And so why, the reason why both Jesus and the Holy Spirit couldn't be here at the same time is because Jesus's ministry wasn't finished. And so if the Holy Spirit came, what would he be glorifying? What would he be ministering to people about? Jesus had to die, raise again, um, rise again, and start his heavenly ministry for the Holy Spirit's purposes to actually take on full power. Because every single thing the Holy Spirit does should bring us closer to our un, um, in an understanding of what Christ did, and every and as we get closer to Christ, we should be more reconciled to the Father. You know what's mad? I now what you said just said is is definitely very interesting. Um, this idea, man, is this idea that all aspects of the Godhead. All persons in the Godhead are involved in the salvation of man. You know, sometimes we kind of like just, you know, Jesus was the one that came and died. as the example. And paid the price for our sins. But we kind of know it's the God that sent Jesus, you know what I'm saying? Uh, and it's the Holy Spirit that's trying to, 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 to lead us to to see Jesus where he needs to be for us to actually want to get closer to him. And this idea that they're all involved and they're all looking after us to try and get us to accept and come to salvation is is crazy. It's mad. And so much more is the importance of the Holy Spirit in the sense that we cannot um we cannot connect with any of God without the Holy Spirit doing that. And so when we, when, why Jesus says, look, blaspheme against me, but if you blaspheme against um, the Holy Spirit, then it's a, bit, it's a bit mad because 
how you connect with me is through the Holy Spirit. You're not going to be able to reach me if the Holy Spirit isn't there. We already talked about the conviction of sin, righteousness and judgment. So if you don't have those things, how do you think me and you are going to have a relationship? We're not. And if we don't have a relationship, how do you think you're going to get reconciled to the Father? You're not. And so that's why connecting with the Holy Spirit is so important, right? But however, we talked about the Holy Spirit's elusiveness. And this is also why the Holy Spirit is so elusive. Why the Holy Spirit doesn't, uh, we don't really have a picture of the Holy Spirit. We don't really have a, um, a clear understanding of what he's doing, particularly outside of these verses, right? Um, because the Holy Spirit's purpose is not to give himself glory. He says in this verse, right, it says, um, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, he shall speak. Right? So the Holy Spirit isn't there for himself. We're not supposed to have a quote-unquote relationship with the Holy Spirit. That is not his purpose. Everything the Holy Spirit does should be pointing to Jesus. Similarly, everything that Jesus does that did was pointing to the Father. Right? And so that's why the Holy Spirit for us... You know, some see a light, some see a, a wind, some see, see the thing from Prince of Egypt, something like, because the Holy Spirit, you know, we talked about tongues of fire versus um, versus um, the wind versus, you know, all of the different things that we see from the Holy Spirit, the dove and Jesus's baptism, because the Holy Spirit isn't really supposed to be tied down like that. We're not supposed to have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. We're not really supposed to know what he's doing outside of what he's teaching us and what he's telling us and what we see from these verses, right? Everything he's supposed to do is supposed to point us to Jesus. Jesus is our connection point. And so what's amazing is if you think that the Holy Spirit is doing something, you will know if he's doing something, if it's pointing you to Jesus. If somehow you think that the Spirit itself is being glorified, and we can think of examples of where we think the Spirit is being glorified in and of itself, then something is wrong because everything the spirit does, this whole purpose of being here to convict us of sin, righteousness and judgment is to glorify Jesus. And the whole reason why they couldn't be there at the same time is because to glorify Jesus, Jesus had to go through what he went through. Jesus had to die, be resurrected and to be glorified in heaven before the Holy Spirit could really glorify all of what Jesus represented in his ministry. Does that make sense? Yes, it does, bro. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Awesome. All right. We're near the end because I know we have AY today and I don't want to um, stretch you guys on too long. So um, let's just read from verses 14 and we're going to go up to verses 22 just to finish off the section and we're going to come back to a, um, a point Tyrone was making at the start. Um, but yeah, so from, from verse 14, um, to verse 22. We'll start to see some of the language. We may even start to see some of the things that we were saying earlier come through in what Jesus is saying as we go. Um, but yeah, go ahead. We can do two verses each. Sorry, that's a bit of a weird. I hope you guys can hear me anyway. Uh, from verse 14, right? Yeah. He shall glorify me. He shall receive of mine and shall show it unto you. All things that the Father hath of mine, therefore said I, that he shall take of mine and, show, and shall show it unto you. 
a little while, you shall not see me. And again, a little while, and you shall see me, because I go to the Father. Then said some of his disciples among themselves, What is this that he saith unto us? A little while, and he shall not see me. And again, a little while, and he shall see me. And behold, I go to the Father. They said, therefore, what is this that he saith? A little while. We cannot tell what he saith. Now Jesus knew that they were desirous to ask him and said unto them, do ye require, inquire among yourselves of that I said, a little while and ye shall not see me. And again, a little while and ye shall see me. Verily, verily, I say unto you, that ye shall weep and lament, and the world shall rejoice, and ye shall be sorrowful, but your sorrow shall be turned into joy. The woman, when she is in travail, has sorrow, it is her hour is come. But as soon as she delivers of the child, as soon as, as soon as she is delivered of the child, she remembers no more the anguish for the joy that a man is born into the world. Last verse just says, and ye know therefore have sorrow now for now ye now therefore have sorrow, but I will see you again, and your heart shall rejoice, and your joy no man can take it away from. Okay. So I don't know if you guys um clocked as we were reading, but you saw language in there like um all things my father ha um have given is mine. Um therefore I said that he shall take of mine and shall show it unto you. So you see language like that of um, from God the Father to Jesus, from Jesus to the Holy Spirit, and how the, that ministry is working um, throughout the Trinity. Um, and anyone who's arguing about the Trinity, or at least the fact that there are three um, persons of God working, uh, these texts are amazing because you see Jesus speaking. He's clearly not speaking about himself when he talks about the Father. And then he talks to clearly about someone else other than the Father also working. And so, you know, these are all um, Trinity, um, Godhead. I don't know if, you know, the word Trinity is, is hard to um, grasp, but the Godhead is, um, is working. These are all great texts to use for that, for that purpose. Um, but then we go into, again, this idea that, um, you know, Jesus is leaving and then he's coming. Jesus is leaving and then he's coming. Um, and what do you think that means? What do you guys understand from those from those verses? He's coming back. Okay. In what in what sense is he coming back? Okay, I'm back. Uh <laughs> I just wanted to say, so, you know, he's just saying, in a little while I go, in a little while I'm coming. Uh, it's, yeah, yeah, it kind of, it sounds, to me, to me, it sounds like Jesus is talking about the fact that he's going to die and then he's going to come back. And obviously Jesus died if he was in the ground for what? Um, you know, he was in the ground for Sabbath and rose again on the Sunday, right? Uh, yeah. And so, right. yeah, 
it was it was a quick departure and the disciples weren't expecting to see him back that quick even though he had told them how it was going to be um alternatively guys we could also see this as the fact that jesus was going back to heaven but you know the disciples they lived out their lives most of them didn't make it to old age but obviously when you're in the grave you don't know anything so the next thing that they know jesus is coming back and I'm not saying that to say that it wouldn't have felt long. But obviously for Jesus and for God who lives outside of time, uh, all of this stuff isn't, isn't taking long to happen, surely. Cool, for real, right? And so I think there's, two, there's a twofold, I think Nathan mentioned it as well, there's a twofold going and coming here. So there's obviously what is just about to happen. Right, so as we said before, we're leading up to the crucifixion, we're heading towards Gethsemane. Um, and so what is just about to happen is Jesus is about to leave them and they're going to be sad. Um, but when he rises again, then they'll get it. Right. Um, but there's also this idea that, um, that Jesus is going, so he's going to heaven and he'll come back and collect his own. And so there is reasons, as Tyron said, to rejoice in both of those things. Both the fact that Jesus died and rose again, and in the fact that Jesus is leaving to go to heaven and coming back. And so um, if someone could just go to, to Romans chapter 8, verse 18. Someone could read that quickly. Romans chapter 8, verse 18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Awesome, right? The sufferings of the present time cannot be compared with the glory that's supposed to be revealed in us, right? And so both of we're talking the, the present glory of God changing our hearts and our minds to be more like him and the and the relationship with, that we can have with him. And obviously the eternal glory that we'll get when we reach heaven cannot be compared with the suffering of this life. So you can understand why once you've counted the cost and you're fully in and you've fully surrendered, um, that you know the disciples, all of those Christians who, who got persecuted strongly and even people today who are being persecuted for their faith will do so given that the sufferings of this life cannot be compared with that glory, right? And that is the joy that um, Tyrone was talking about earlier. But yeah, Nathan? And bro, that, that has to be the point. I, I was just going to say that we can only have that mindset when we are thinking um, in, what's the word? When we are thinking in relation to heaven. You know what I'm saying? If we're, if we're all focused on what's going on down here, and we're focused on this life and everything that goes on in this life. We're not thinking about eternity. And so if someone comes in your face, you're not going to be a martyr for God. You, you, you're not, you're not going to have that, that foresight. But if you're focused and you're invested in eternity, then that, that, that's, where, that's where the strength comes from. To actually like persevere because you know that you know, there's no comparison. 100%, 100%. So yeah, that's that's the uh, that's where we're going to stop today. There's one more thing I wanted to share with you. Um, I found this poem 
um, called the Hound of Heaven. Now, a hound is like a um, a dog which sniffs out stuff. So you'd, you'd, you'd like let it smell something and then it would go hunt for it, right? And this poem um, was written by a guy called Francis Thompson. And he was a medical, um, he was in medical school um, in London. And then he ended up leaving um, medical school um, to become a poet, but he got addicted to like opium and um, all sorts of drugs. And then um, you know, attempted to commit suicide um, and then became a Christian. And so he wrote this poem um, about the Holy Spirit. I'm not going to read all of it because it is long, um, but I just want to read a couple of lines. Um, it says, I fled him down the nights and down the days. I fled him down the arches of the years. I fled him down the labyrinth of ways of my own mind. And in the midst of tears, I hid from him and under running laughter. And then further um, down, it says, um, from those strong feet that followed, followed after with unhurrying chase and um, unperturbed pace, right? And basically what he's saying is, um, I can send the link to this, this poem if everyone wants to read it in its entirety, but essentially he's saying, look, I ran from, from God for ages. For ages I was running and I, hit, I was hiding from him and I was doing all my stuff, but the Holy Spirit was um, persistent. And not only persistent, he was fast. Everywhere I ran, he caught me. And um, so much so that now, you know, I'm like, he, he's changed me because of that, because he was able to catch me, hunting me down. And understand that the Holy Spirit, right, as much as God the Father loves us, as much as God the Son loves us, and we know we get that because we get a Father's love, we get um, Jesus' love because he died for us, but we don't really talk about the Holy Spirit's love. But if we can understand the patience that um, of our life, like the patience that God, the Holy Spirit must have with us, given what we've done in our lives, given, like I can say that for me for 100%, like the patience that he has, the fact that he's still trying to work, he's still trying to do, he's still trying to, as the poem says, hunt us down with, 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 um, with, with an unhurrying chase, right? And great pace, you know, is he's, he's working, right? To convict us of that sin, righteousness and judgment and to comfort us when we need it. Um, and so the Holy Spirit, he has the same love of God that, that, um, Jesus and the Father have, um, and just to recognise that as we're as we're heading um, into this week as well. So, um, yeah, that, that was just the last point I wanted to I wanted to touch on. Does anyone else want to say anything? Any questions um, or any comments before we close? No? Okay, cool. I was just, sorry, guys, I was just going to say that um, let's actually make sure that we incorporate this into our prayers. Let's, let's make sure that we actually pray for 
uh, what's the word, clarity. And we pray for and we pray for the Holy Spirit to give us that clarity so that He can remind us the things that He's already showed us, so that we can obey them, and then He can bring us into you know reveal more to us because obviously this is we're gonna go in our faith. Uh, and the only reason I, I felt to say that is because sometimes, you know, I feel like honestly in this, you know, in our Christian work, sometimes we don't even know where to start. And so sometimes the Holy Spirit has to be the one to get us started um, at some place and then to obviously work with us. Mm. God, like, God, like, pray for strength as well to obviously... Um, the Holy Spirit is going to be talking to us, and He's going to be putting, putting us, pointing out the things which we need to work on in our lives, etc., etc. And we need also have, you know, our strength to obey, because it's going to come a time if we're going to keep on, you know, disobeying what 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 the Holy Spirit is pointing out, or just not doing it. It's going to come a time which we're going to grieve Him away, and if we mm-hmm. do that then that is just, you know, we're grieving the way the Bible talks about the unpardonable sin. And that is what it is, grieving away the Holy Spirit. And that's something we need to, you know, be be aware of and just ask God to help us with, like, you know, obedience, do his will, etc., etc. So Definitely, definitely. Um, Sasha, did you have something to say as well? Oh, yeah, it was just um, more like thanks to God as well because it's a timely message that you did today because from last week um I've been seeing the Holy Spirit working um and yeah it was just a timely message so thank you good, good good amen um so yeah let's just close with a prayer um who hasn't spoken in a while Tyler do you want to close us with a word I knew you were going to pick me there. <laughs> All right. All right, let's pray. Dearly Father, we've had this study on a little bit about your ministry, but a lot about sort of, you know, the Holy Spirit and the role of the Holy Spirit, God. And I pray now that at this time, especially we take the time to appreciate, you know, what the Holy Spirit is there to do. That you know, we must understand this ministry for us, each one, each and every one of us, Lord. And I pray that for everyone here, Lord, that we may be able to, you know, commit. You know, we talked about earlier. Um, you know, if you're not on God's side, you're on you know the devil's side. And I pray that we made the commitment now to be fully committed. You know, 100 percent. Um, nothing left or sort of on the table, Lord. That we may be able to commit 100 percent, and to do that, Lord, it means we have to listen to the. You know, the Holy Spirit and its wisdom and its direction for us, Lord. And I know it's hard. There's times where we actively try to ignore it, Lord. And as you said, rejecting the Holy Spirit is a dangerous thing because without it, you know, you don't even understand or even know what sin is and that we need to come closer to you, Lord. So I pray, especially from now on, that we able to hark and hear what the Spirit is telling us, Lord, to be able to actively, you know, run away from sin, actively try to overcome so any of the burdens or the sins that we may be going through, Lord. I'm not to say that it's easy. I understand that it can be such a hard thing to do at times, Lord. That, but we remember that we have a community. We're all going through the same thing, Lord. We have to, you know, call in each other, ask each other for help, Lord. And obviously, you know, if we continue 
having the faith in you that you will one day overcome these sins that you may be struggling with. So I pray that you be with us now, be with each one here, each of the families represented, and as we go forward, that we continue to be better and be able to glorify you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 I thank you so much for that. Hope everyone has a blessed rest of your Sabbath. Amen.